Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast, a show designed to elevate the game of senior living sales and marketing leaders. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and with me is Corey Mitchell. We're talking to leaders from all different positions and titles, giving you and your team a competitive edge to reach 100% occupancy. You're listening to season one. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 100 Club podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy. Alongside with me, as always, is Corey Mitchell. And we have a phenomenal guest with us, Scott McCorvey. He has been an active, uh, he has been active in improving uh, just the senior living industry as a whole for really the past 18 years. He started his career at Health Trust, competing over uh, 500 senior living, uh, completing 500 senior living appraisals and market studies in the markets across the entire U.S. Uh, in 2012, he's joined Centennial Healthcare Partners, um, where he sourced and closed multiple acquisitions before moving to a much larger REIT, CNL Healthcare Properties, where he led the acquisitions team to compete complete over $1 billion of transactions worldwide. And, uh, you know, he honestly, he has a passion for helping owner operators grow. Scott, uh, he launched a consulting firm back in 2015 and helped create a regional owner operator company, Alta Senior Living. So most recently, you know, Scott, you launched Vita Senior Living, uh, a new senior living investment development and, and management company focused on purchasing communities and improving lives in Florida. Uh, and, and Scott has a, a big time passion for senior living and just a continued improvement of the industry. And um, he actually hosts a, a different industry podcast, and which is kind of how we got introduced to him, the inner senior, the inner circle of senior living. And honestly, such a uh, a good podcast to get into, but we, uh, we're so happy to, to have you here, Scott. Welcome to the show, Scott. Absolutely. No, it's an honor. Thanks so much, Mike, Corey. It's great to be on your show. Um, I want to start off just kind of diving into the inner circle. So that you have your own podcast out there and it's, it's funny because I used to listen to it driving to work and just the industry knowledge that you got, that you put out there. Tell me how you kind of came about getting it started and, and what sparked you to, to have, you're the one of the OGs of the senior living <laughs> space that, yeah, to have a podcast. So <laughs> tell us about how that all came about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I've been a big podcast fan uh, for a while since, uh, you know, they first came out. I think it's a great way to, uh, to learn and you can do it in a, you know, a variety of different formats, as you said, uh, working out or driving to work or wherever it's on demand uh, content, which I think is very valuable. And for me, I like, you know, thinking and, and listening to people. So it's a great thing to do that. So it'd been in my mind to do a senior living podcast for a while because there wasn't anything at the time. Uh, so I decided to, to, to launch it. Um, you know, it's didn't know much about podcasting, uh, just kind of had to, you know, learn as I went, uh, I still cringe listening to some of those first episodes of me just rambling on for an hour. Um, but I really felt passionate as a way to give back to this industry. I love this industry so much. It's given me so much the last 18 years. So for me, it was really a, a way to give back. Um, and also when I was doing the consulting, um, there was a lot of new folks 
folks coming into senior living, right? And a bunch of new energy and new ideas and things. But I wanted to kind of be a voice, a platform of, um, you know, how different senior living is than other real estate segments out there uh, and that it is so operationally focused. That was really the catalyst of it, um, but also just a way for me to share my passion. And then what's been really fun is having guests come on and having hearing them share their passion because I find everyone in senior living for the most part has this passion because it's more, you know, it's, it's about improving lives. It's about helping people. And so I think people in this industry have this certain passion we all share. So that's been fun too, as a way, instead of, you know, reading a news article, being able to actually hear the passion from someone's voice. And I think that's one uh, great thing about the podcast and having that ability to do it. I couldn't agree more with you. I think that the the one unanimous theme across the board is just how much passion everybody has for just the industry as a whole, driving it forward. And uh, honestly, it, I don't know many industries that get as passionate and enthused uh, just about helping the older adult population. So it's, it's a really cool movement to be a part of. And kind of going to that, you know, over the past 18 years, I'm sure you've seen a lot evolve, a lot change. So talk about some of the, the positive outcomes and the positive things that you've seen just from your experience. I think one of the, the, the more positive things I've seen is just um, how people understand how crucial the operations and the operating partner is, um, you know, unlike other real estate uh, segments where, um, you know, you can switch out management companies pretty easily and you don't see uh, much of a difference. Uh, senior living is different. And in fact, that it's uh, so operationally uh, focused. So I think that's something I've really seen, um, you know, improve uh, through the years is people really understanding that, um, you know, the performance and the overall uh, value on these communities is largely driven by the operations and in the operations. Operator. Um, also, just um, the focus that uh, we're creating more of a lifestyle in our communities, more life focused. Um, uh, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, it's uh, been called healthcare, been called hospitality, kind of merging all of these things. Um, but I really feel that as an industry, we're kind of going, we're, we're really refining our product and we're creating those amenities and, um, you know, the, the attributes that the residents really want. And it's not about providing, you know, obviously there's the care component, but the huge part of it and why people people are moving in is a socialization, the programming and that upgraded lifestyle. And so I think that's something that's really improved too. I hope we continue to improve on it. Um, but when I first started, yeah, it was, you know, long hallways, not many amenities, um, you know, a lot of double occupied rooms, almost more like nursing home or assisted livings when this first started out. Um, but it's definitely evolved through the years. And now it's just, yeah, beautiful communities with all sorts of amenities. Um, so I think that's one thing that's really improved through the years. Do you have a favorite guest that was on your show, your podcast? Oh, man. man I love all my guests. Um, but one thing that really struck out is I had Brian Drucco, who's the um, president of Nick, um, very passionate guest. And uh, he was talking about senior living and we're, this is during COVID and we we're talking about they're doing their, um, their Nick conference uh, remotely. And he said something to me that's always, it's always hit me. And it's something that I live by um, about just improving the industry. Uh, he said, a rising tide raises all ships, 
right? And I like that. I know we're competitive in some aspects, but we're all in this together. And if we can improve our industry, it helps everybody. So I'm not about, you know, keeping secrets. If something I'm doing is working, I want to share it so you can do it. And if everyone's really doing the right thing, it's improving the industry and it's helping all of us. So um, I've loved all my guests, but that's definitely something that stood out to me. I think that um, your type of mentality needs to be replicated across the, the board because I think what we're finding is that there's so much untapped market that we can actually go, come into. So I've stated this maybe a couple of times and I'm very passionate about it, but it's just crazy to think about that you're looking at 85% that aren't even considering senior living when it's such a great option. And, and again, just going back to what you were talking about, 18 years of just being able to see it evolve and become more hospitality, it's resident centered, all this good stuff. So um, I'm, I think that that's a great mentality. And so from starting your podcast and having just the, the wealth of, of knowledge that you've been able to accumulate, you know, is it any surprises of just the ways that we've evolved or the way that people have transformed senior living? Well, I mean, obviously COVID was a surprise. No, no. Fair. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I don't think anyone predicted that kind of pandemic coming through here. Um, yeah, I mean, surprises. You know, I really thought we'd have more of an affordable product by now. I mean, it's been something as an industry that uh, we've been, um, you know, really challenged and working on um, for almost a decade of trying to provide more of an affordable product in the assisted living memory care field. Um, you know, it's we're still working on it. There's not a great solution there, um, but uh, that's um, one thing. One thing I really like, though, and <laughs> I've seen is more of um, more younger people getting into senior living. That's something I love, right? I will see almost this kind of passing of gardens, this new generation entering our space, which is amazing because it has all this new energy, all this new innovation. And I just think it's such a great thing for our industry, having so much more younger, passionate people. When I started, you know, it was mostly, uh, you know, a lot of gray haired people uh, and you're starting to see that, you know, retire. And then this next generation step up, which is amazing, bringing in new ideas and new technologies and really trying to help our industry to grow. You got people like me and Michael com coming in, starting podcasts, talking about, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, that's, I think that's what the whole thing about the industry, though, is, is pushing it forward and finding people from other industries and getting millennials more involved. And, and that brings me to the question, what does the future of senior look like to you 10 years from now? Does it look the same or do you see it really evolving and growing into something different than we see out there today? Yeah, that's a great question. That's like the million dollar question. How's senior living going to evolve, right? <clears throat> so we're seeing kind of, you know, occupancies obviously have gone down. COVID's been a huge part of that. Um, you know, you've got uh, labor challenges. Um, but what I think really the future of senior living is really focused on this lifestyle, really focused on this upgraded life. Um, because I, in any senior living community, the biggest competitor is the resident's own home. So we have to offer something a resident can't get at home. If we're just competing with living area, we're going to lose that battle. But what can we provide a resident can't get at home? It's that socialization. It's those friendships. It's those connections. It's the programming. It's all the intangibles that go into senior living. That is the life of that community. And, it's, and a resident can't get that at home. It's There's nothing they can do at home to replicate that. That's only something you can get in senior living. So I think that's the future of our industry. Obviously, there's a healthcare component to it, but I'm more of an overall wellness. Healthcare is one component. 
component of the wellness, but socialization is a huge component of the wellness factor too. Uh, and going beyond programming of just bingo and cards, because they can do that at home. You can do bingo anywhere, right? But specialized engaged programming that's specific in senior living and having those clubs and friendships, just like I live here in Florida and you've heard of the villages, right? It's just, they're, it's just blowing up. They can't, they're sold before they even build these houses. Um, they're just, you know, these stick houses and it's basically in the middle of a cow pasture, middle of nowhere, Florida. The reason it's so popular is their activity schedule day to night. People want to move into it because there's like-minded people and there's activities and they know that they can do activities all day. So I think that's the future of our industry. Obviously, it's going to be caring, but I want it to go from a need-based, you need to move into senior living, to I want to move to senior living because I want an improved life. That's a cool paradigm shift because uh, I think a lot of people see uh, senior living as just, I, I'm kind of reactionary. I have to make this decision. And so we can start untapping this market if we can actually draw, have a compelling story on reasons why they, they you're, you're almost, you're missing out, right? right. You're missing out on the, the resident engagement, the, all the things that uh, include longevity of life. This is what we're offering. So I think, that's a good transition to setting the stage for your newest venture, Vita Senior Living. So tell us more about that. Uh, and I'm sure that you're going to be talking just uh, some about the programming and everything, but we're excited to, to learn more about Vita Senior Living. Yeah, congrats, by the way. Congrats. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, no, I feel like I've been preparing for this the past 18 years. It's uh, so exciting to finally be at this moment. Uh, but yeah, I'm so thrilled and excited and grateful uh, to be launching Vita Senior Living. Uh, why Vita? Vita is Latin for life. And so as we talked about, that's our focus. That's our mission about improving lives. Um, you know, in, in our aspect, uh, if your resident is satisfied, if your resident is happy, they're spreading that message to everyone, right? So having a happy resident, providing that care and that upgraded lifestyle is what we're focused on. You know, the real estate is just a mechanism to deliver that upgraded care and lifestyle that we have. So that's our, that's our focus right now. Um, so our mission is improving I'm sorry, our mission is improving lives one community at a time. And that's what our focus is right now. Um, to do it a faster approach, uh, we're doing an acquisition strategy. So we're, we're purchasing communities right now um, from groups that are looking to exit the business for whatever reason, uh, either you know they came in before COVID and realized it's not you know their cup of tea or groups are looking to retire um, or any, any number of reasons. Uh, we'll come in there and, and purchase uh, the real estate. Uh, we'll come in and do strategic improvements. Uh, you know, like to you know uh, make things uh, improve things cosmetically and improve the real estate itself but also come in with our really passionate local operations team um, that's focused on that that engagement that programming and that socialization because um, that's really you know obviously we're you know have a sales and marketing strategy and we'll talk about that but from my experience the best sales and marketing strategy is is the resident word of mouth if your residents are happy and they're telling other residents there's no advertising that can pay for that type of um, exposure. Uh, so that's what we're focused on, focused on improving the residents' lives. That's our purpose each day. And we want to provide purpose for the residents too. Uh, a reason that they, we don't want them in their units. We want them outside of their units engaged um, and, and having purpose in their lives. There's a reason that they got out. There's a reason that they got dressed. And we want to provide that reason. 
Yeah, so what type of uh, properties are you guys looking to acquire? Are you guys doing Class A properties? Are you doing assisted living and memory care only, independent? What size are you looking for as well? Yeah, so I like the full continuum of care, um, you know, just because I like a resident to have the option to age in place and get that care if desired. Um, however, even if it's, you know, so I'm looking for independent assisted and, and memory care, um, kind of, you know, 50 units to 150 units um, in just Florida right now. Uh, I want to limit it to Florida uh, just so we can keep a really tight control on the operations, uh, just from my experience, um, you know, cross country management, just isn't as effective. I really want to be able to have our operations team drive to these communities to give them all the leadership support and guidance that they need. Um, so that's one of our big focuses. On top of that, um, by limiting our footprint, we can really truly be market uh, experts in each market too. So that's a big part of it. Truly understanding every market uh, in Florida, the ins and outs of it on the competitive side, but also on the labor side, right? Because that's a whole different avenue, but uh, having those labor channels as well to get the employees. Um, but yeah, looking for independent assisted living, memory care. Um, you know, the condition of the building isn't as important. Um, you know, uh, we'll come in there and we can put the, you know, the renovation and really upgrade uh, the real estate. Um, I do like, you know, a, lo a good location. Uh, location, I think, is, is key. Um, having good, you know, visibility and traffic uh, count is, is really a good aspect of it. Um, and then the reputation, you know, We'll, we'll work on repairing the reputation or improving the reputation. Um, but that's a, that's a part of it too, is what's the current reputation? What's the current, um, you know, real estate needs? Um, and then, um, what we, we do too is during our due diligence or underwriting, um, we'll look for areas that currently are inefficient on the operations, and then we'll ex we'll create a plan to really address what that is. It might be you know too much overtime, uh, might be um, you know they need some more expense management controls. Uh, there's usually something that uh, can be tightened up on the operations, so we'll look at that, um, and then we'll have our own in-house operations team actually be able to execute um, those to increase that overall efficiency. So I'm curious because this is um, something that I think is going to be happening more often often is uh, communities looking to purchase maybe some distressed properties or maybe uh, looking just to continue to grow. But then you have a unique perspective. You have uh, really good insight coming from your background, being able to evaluate and really understand what a good purchase looks like versus what one that you'd have to stay away from. So maybe talk to the owner operator on, and you touched on it a little bit, but maybe just go in more depth. What are the, the triggers of saying like, yes, this is an absolute must have versus some major red flags for operators to stay away from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, markets uh, crucial got understanding the market and the market fundamentals, um, understanding uh, the supply and demand relationships in any given market, understanding new competition that's coming in, new supply, um, all critical factors in any kind of acquisition um, analysis. Uh, on top of that, um, you know, going through the current uh, operator and the current financials uh, and making sure that, uh, as I call it, their market levels. And that's kind of where some of my appraisal uh, background comes in, just having a chance to dig through thousands 
terms of financials, kind of understanding, you know, what's efficient, what's best practices for each department on the expense side, and then also on the staffing side um, to make sure that, um, you know, both of those are efficient. Uh, if not, um, you know, what can be done? What could it look like going forward? You know, what kind of improvement can we see in the income by making these changes? Or on the flip side, uh, sometimes it's understaffed. So understanding that too, right? So making sure that, uh, you know, uh, or it's, they might be, you know, cutting corners on the expenses. So really having a solid understanding of our go forward financial projection um, after we purchase this, what we can expect. Um, that's really uh, what goes into it. And on top of that, just, you know, the real estate itself, um, what's the condition of the real estate? Um, what's the location? What's the competition? How does it rank to the competition? Um, is there any um, areas for conversions? You know, if a lot of times studio units aren't being sold, right? So can we convert some of those to maybe one bedrooms? Um, is there a wing that's, you know, maybe can be converted from assisted to memory care? Um, you know, there's lots of different options to try to add value, um, but it's it's almost like a puzzle, right? Of, of trying to see, okay, here's the current community. Uh, what can we do to try to improve this? Um, and that's it, trying to improve that and then improve the lives. And that's, uh, that's our goal. Yeah. So it's kind of, a, it depends on the property itself, right? Like what needs to change at that particular property, whether it's a class C and it's 20 years old and you got to go in and, and completely renovate it. You got to kind of take each property as its own business as, as a sense. But um, tell me a little bit about not just the building and what you do to change the building and make it look more aesthetically, but what is your approach? What makes you guys different as far as going in and changing the reputation, like you mentioned, if it does have a, a bad reputation, how do you go in and change that? Yeah, that's, that can be the difficult part, especially if it's had, you know, bad deficiencies, it's got maybe some unfortunate deaths, it's got just, you know, the competition is just running it through the mud, right? <laughs> you don't want to move in there, and it's been in there. Uh, so that's the first thing we're doing, we, we put out new ownership, new management signs out there just to get the word out immediately, there's a new sheriff in town. On top of that, you know, we, we do put in some strategic capex, um, and, and a lot of that is um, uh, for a sign of the community as well. We like to have uh, the current residents and the staff to buy into this of, okay, we've got this little bucket of money. What's the best use of this? And it's fun. It's almost like a contest. What can we do with this money? It gets everyone involved and excited and making this new ownership and this new management a good thing. Um, and it gets people excited. So that's part of it too. And that starts getting the work out there. Long-term reputation um, changes is more of a challenge. And that comes through care that comes through that reputation. That's why we're focused on that resident uh, engagement and that resident satisfaction. Part of our process is ongoing resident family and staff surveys. So we can understand if the resident's happy and if they're not, so we can make those real-time changes. I think that's a key aspect of it. We want to cater to our client, the resident, right? We're not just putting stuff up there and hoping they like it. We want them, we want to provide stuff that they want. So then, as I said, our goal is for them to spread the word. So we're not spending those marketing dollars per se. They're selling the community for us. And that's really when that reputation starts going. On top of that, I like to, and it's harder to do right now in COVID, but inviting as many groups as possible to use our meeting space. I'll provide pastries, I'll provide coffee and whatever it takes. Have your chamber of commerce come in, have your doctor's organization come in, um, have your realtor organization come in, come into our community so you can get a feel for us. You can get a feel for our 
life and you get a feel for our culture and our staff. Because when someone's asking, oh, moms, I'm thinking about assisted living. Oh, I was in such and such. It's amazing. You got to go visit. I was just there for a meeting. You got to go. So those are the type of things that I like. I'm really, you know, focused on community involvement, uh, word of mouth, um, you know, on top of and just letting the care and that, you know, that reputation sell itself on top of, you know, traditional marketing strategies that you guys all know of too. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. You're, you're basically opening up the doors and saying, hey, let's come all, let's bring in the community, you know, bring community into community and say, let's just, let's live life together. Let's not yeah. let's break down walls of generations and all that. And that's a lot of it. It's just, it's just awareness. People, you know, knowing that your product is there at the right times, you know, having the right people at the right time is half the battle. So yeah, having people know where you're at, they might drive by it, but once they come in and get a feel for it, I think that makes a big impression. That's so good. So, so, so breaking down those walls, open up those doors for the community. I think that's a great way to get people introduced to, to senior living. And then um, it, what, from my experience, I think that it actually takes a, a, a team, a village to be able to, to, to do that successfully. So not only do you need your sales team to be bought in, to bring that community into community, you need your nursing, you need your, uh, your care team, you need everybody. So how do you plan on uh, kind of adopting that culture and making it just such a, a wow factor? So um, yeah, take that how you, however you want. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's the million dollar question, man. That's, that's the great thing. One, one of the, the, the great things I've from my past experience is just having a chance to learn from so many great operators, you know, uh, just listening and learning through the years and really understanding, you know, what makes a good operator, what separates good to great. Uh, and from my experience, um, working with a lot of different operators, it is that culture. That's really what I see separates the good to great operators. And that's something I, I knew when I started and we launched Vita Senior Living, we had to first define and really instill a strong culture. But it's not just a culture. It's a culture to improve, a culture to learn, a culture to succeed, and a culture to lead. And in this culture, I don't want it to be a job. I want us to all be on this mission of improving lives. It's a purpose, right? And forming these relationships. Relationships are good for the residents, but it's also really good for the caregiver and the team as well. Um, so having these relationships, having this purpose that it's not a job, we're all on this mission together um, of, of improving lives. It's not, uh, you know, senior living, it's about improving lives. Um, but also, as you mentioned, all of our departments working together. Um, you know, uh, when, I, when I think of culture, I think of, um, will someone pick up trash if no one's looking? right? That's just a good example. Uh, no one's going to see it. You're not going to get the recognition, but picking up that trash improves the experience for our resident, right? So it's improving a life by picking up that trash, but all the departments working together is crucial to another example. Um, you might not think activities or programming and marketing, you know, they're kind of, you know, separate and not always working together. However, what I like to see synergistic and all of it, I think marketing actually works with everything. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, 
a lot of times when I still say I do assisted living, people think nursing homes, right? They still think of this institutional model. You know, they don't understand these gorgeous communities. Um, so I think part of it is just the messaging with this programming, right? So going out there and having these amazing experiences, like I said, having the yoga and the dance and the cooking demonstrations, thinking outside of Bingo and Bridge, um, but having these uh, amazing experiences, but then promoting that out which is that marketing part, right? Um, not just having it in the house for the residents, but getting, pushing that messaging out there that we're not just doing bingo at our communities, right? We've got some amazing things going on, but we've got to tell the, you know, the global audience out there. So when I say, you know, I do senior living, assisted living, people think, oh, you guys have those cool, you know, yoga and like cooking. It's not, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's getting that instead of, oh, you're in a nursing home. Uh, so that's, um, I think kind of, yeah, the future too. Yeah. So I would say not even just not only selling the general public, right, but you have to go in and sell this to investors as, as well. And this may be, you know, a, a selfish personal question, but what is it like going into talking to investors in your experience? Are they very well equipped with what's going on in the in senior living space? Or are they not focused primarily on senior living? And now they're kind of getting into it because they see the, the financial aspects of it. Um, and my question would be like, how hard, how hard of a sell is that? You walk in to sell an investor on on you and your company as an operator, you're going to turn around these senior living companies. What does that look like? Yeah, good question. So that that is um, the challenge is because senior living is so different than other real estate segments. Um, you know, there's a lot of commercial real estate investors and capital groups out there and a lot of really good ones, a lot of sophisticated ones. Um, but um, they've got to kind of throw a lot of that out the window when you start to think about uh, senior living. Uh, so it is different. There is a big learning curve to it. And it is so operationally focused, unlike other the other real estate segments. As I like said, as an example, um, you know, multi an apartment complex, you can change managers as long as they're, you know, taking the rent and doing some basic repairs. Um, you know, there's not too many. You're not going to much of a financial um, difference. Senior living is completely different. Uh, when I was at the REITs, I'd have the same real estate put in different operators and saw completely different results, right? It's just, it's amazing how operationally focused it is. So that's the biggest challenge is just um, getting people outside the mindset of traditional uh, real estate investment um, to think about it. However, it's got a lot of benefits to it too. So senior living historically has total returns that outpace out far outpace all the other real estate segments. So higher risk, <laughs> higher reward, um, higher risk. It's more of a specialized knowledge-based product. Uh, it's more operationally focused than true real estate, but it does have higher returns to it. So um, that's a thing. Also, a lot of people, you know, understood the aging demographics, the baby boomers. You heard this, the silver tsunami. Uh, a lot of folks just heard those demographics and they want to get involved. They want to invest. They, they feel, you know, this is something they want to do. Um, so the, the challenge is, is finding the right investors. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of investors out there, um, but finding the right investors um, that, that understand that this isn't traditional real estate, that this is about, you know, such an operational component to it um, and that, uh, it is about improving and helping lives too. Um, that's, that's the challenge, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, going out there and, and finding, uh, finding new capital investors. Um, yeah, it's, it's first kind of talking about the segment, uh, and then talking about, um, our specific kind of mission and strategy specifically coming out of COVID and why the timing is right now. 
Yeah. So talk about maybe some of the challenges of getting people, uh, getting the the right investors on board, but then also, um, because I I feel like it's you you want to make sure that those investors have the same exact mission as you do, and that you guys go lock you know you lock arms together, and you again you have the the same aligned mission values, all of that, and so walk through maybe the process of finding that right partner, but then also being able to communicate that vision that's being communicated to the investors and then have that trickle down in terms of strong communication to the team. Cause sometimes there might be a gap between what is being sold to in terms for the investors and maybe the, to the people that are on the front lines and how do you bridge that gap between that relationship? Sure. Yeah. And the, the, one of the big aspects for the investors is, yeah, it is more of, um, you know, it's a marriage, it's a long-term uh, commitment together, especially, you know, if we're looking to turn around some of these um, underperforming communities and go through some renovation and really um, execute the plan to increase the value. Uh, so it is, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a longer term uh, a partnership. Um, on top of that, um, there's additional, you know, ongoing CapEx needs too that investors have to understand, um, you know, especially right now, implementing new, some of these new technologies. I love, you know, trying to implement uh, some technologies to increase the, uh, enhance the resident experience, but also increase the efficiency. Um, but sometimes there's an initial investment to get some of these technologies in there. Um, but just ongoing CapEx is just in increased a lot in these buildings, um, you know, just keeping them competitive uh, and with the new supply coming in here, making sure that investors understand that, yes, there's an initial investment, but there's ongoing investments too. And we have to make sure that we underwrite and we understand that going in, that there's these CapEx, uh, you know, annual CapEx investments that we have to continue to make. Um, as far as finding the right investor, yeah, it's just making sure that we're all on the same page on, um, you know, timeline, on, um, you know, expectations. Um, and, um, you know, uh, just the mission, <laughs> like I said, the operational part of it too. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's the monetary side of it, um, but there's a lot of just doing good, you know, just improving lives, helping people too. So um, having that aspect as well. When, so you, you, you found the right investors. So now that you guys have that head heart alignment, you guys are moving forward with that. You found good communities. Uh, now talk to the, uh, the sales director or sales team on maybe getting them thinking about the way that investors think about. I think that there, there's also some training and some education that needs to be from, uh, from what I was in as a sales director. I was focused on very, not arbitrary, but very elementary conversions. So my lead to tour, my leads, you know, you know, how many leads does it take in order to hit budget occupancy? So, so talk to the sales director's on the way that the investors are thinking, is there any type of KPIs that they're looking at that sales teams should be looking at? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I love that, uh, yeah, the 100, 100% occupancy. I love that, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, we all 100% occupancy and waiting lists. <laughs> yeah. um, that's the goal, right? Um, it's funny when I was at a REIT, uh, one of the operators would send us 100% occupancy award. They sent it to us, even though they operated it. <laughs> it was 100% occupied for the year. Um, great question, because I think there is a, there is a gap there, right? So you've got your you know your community level staff, and then you've got your management team, and you got your investors, asset managers, and they all kind of have different agendas, right? And they don't always talk to each other. 
And that's one of the questions I get a lot, especially from marketing folks is why can't we just cut the rates or why can't we offer more concessions or why can't we do this or that, you know, and I wish it was just like a simple answer. Yes. Let's, you know, we'll cut 200 for this month, you know, or the studios aren't selling. Let's just readjust those pricings. The reason it's not that easy is because there's a lot of underwriting that goes into each acquisition. So underwriting, we do a lot of financial analysis and we come up with these pro formas based on all these different assumptions for the next 10 years, <clears throat> These, you know, based on, you know, the rates and, and expenses and things like that. So not to say you can't change things, but investors kind of sign off on a certain set of assumptions and parameters. Uh, so things can be changed, but it's not as easy as, okay, well, let's, you know, offer a concession. It depends who the investor, you know, there's, this is fluid. So it depends who the owner is an investor in the front line, you know, all this can change. Um, but there is, that's, that, that is a good question about, you know, why can't we just, you know, change things on a dime? Um, because yes, there is a lot of, you know, there's, you know, the manager management group that has, you know, policies and procedures and standards and things that they like to do. And there's the ownership group that has different things. And there's the actual community level folks too, right? So it's these three separate things. So, um, so yeah, so uh, a lot of it has to go into that initial kind of underwriting and things like that, um, that go into, um, you know, all the assumptions. Um, but the budget process is a good time to, you know, revisit a lot of that. Um, also, uh, looking for, you know, strategic, um, and, and I like to hear from my marketing folks, uh, what, what is going on? Why are people not moving in? Why are they moving to the competition? Is it our pricing? Um, is it a certain unit that's just not selling? Um, you know, are they hearing something? What can we improve? So I really wish there is more communication. I'd like more communication between all three components. Um, and on the same time, and the budget process too, getting everyone's buy-in on these budgets, not just pushing down a budget from corporate saying, here's your budget, but let's have everyone buy in on this. So it's realistic and everyone's on the same page. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great question. That's, I think it's a continued challenge that uh, we'll see and hopefully uh, we'll improve on in the future. Go, when you're going through these budgets, are you seeing any changes in what you would be paying for labor? Like, are you seeing a lot of increasing in, in what you would have to pay for labor now? I mean, given that the, the labor kind of crisis that we're having, the caregiver crisis that we're having in senior living, um, are you seeing that paying them more money and raising that budget is a answer that's working? Um, and then you're having to convince investors, hey, we need more money. We need to pay nurses more. The salaries used to be X. Now they need to be this if we really want to compete and get the highest level and the amount of people that we really need in here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, labor costs are definitely increasing. <clears throat> definitely underwriting uh, increases in uh, wages and payroll, um, trying to stay competitive because um, obviously, you know, overtime and contract nursing is just so expensive uh, and can really um, hurt your bottom line. Uh, so making sure first we're on the forefront of that and making sure that we're training and that uh, we are having adequate staffing. Um, and then that's culture goes into this as well. Um, so hopefully we can reduce the turnover um, because it's turnover so huge in senior living. Um, but again, if it's not, if it's more than a job, um, hopefully uh, you don't want to just, you know, go down the street for a quarter more or whatever. Um, so uh, uh, wages are a huge issue. 
issue. They'll continue to be a, a big issue. It's something that's, you know, uh, shrinking our margins. And you talk about some groups are having increased rates now, you know, 10, 15%. Um, one thing though about my strategy at Vita Senior Living um, is since we're, we're buying right now at a discount, um, we get to reduce, reset our cost basis, which is important. Uh, meaning if we bought uh, a few years ago, we would have to have certain income level to hit certain returns based on that cost basis. So now if we have a reduced cost basis, we can have a lower income and have the same returns. Does that make sense? So, um, so we can be a little more conservative. We can reduce rates. We can have more expenses to reduce our NOI and have the same returns as groups that purchased a few years ago at a much higher basis. Are you seeing anything out there about paying differently? So maybe it's, I always thought it'd be a good idea to pay your nurses commission, right? So maybe it's new ways to entice nurses and, and, and their teams of caregivers and stuff like that to, to keep them. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, longevity bonuses. Yeah. Anything to keep in, um, you know, yeah, education, any kind of benefits that we can do, because this is a people business and it's all about the people. <clears throat> There's a great quote. Uh, people aren't the greatest asset. The right people are the greatest asset. Uh, so I think it's important if you've got the right people, you've got to keep them. You know, if you've got good people, you got to keep them at your community. Uh, so, you know, however that is, that's, you know, but what I find a lot of times, and I've talked to different recruiters, people oftentimes leave. It's not because of money. It's because they don't feel like they're being heard. They don't feel like they're being recognized. So it's those little things, right? It's not always about the money, but it's showing that appreciation, showing that you're listening and showing that you actually care and that you're there goes a long way um, in keeping someone at your, at your community as well. It's continued to be a competitive business, um, but that's again why, you know, I think culture is so important in the operations and even a small reduction in turnover can make a huge impact to the bottom line. That's so good. And it's so true. I think what I'm, I'm finding out just from listening to, to people from this podcast is that we have to, I, I love it. I, I got a reference Jaybird senior living with, with Danny Vance. I think she's just, I think they're doing it right. And they're, they're not siloing out to any of their departments. They're wanting everything to be, cause I think, I think there's, there can be some times where you know, you're supposed to be in the sales zone and that's the only thing that you're supposed to be doing and you're not supposed to be doing anything. You know, don't help operations. Don't. But what I've found is that if we're not, if sales directors or really if, if vice versa, but just for instance, in this scenario, if sales directors aren't really helping out with operations, then where's that level of trust or where's that level of credibility to where if I ask one of my, you know, a property experience director, a maintenance director to help fill in for a tour. If I'm not willing to, to go help, you know, turn a room with somebody, why am I expecting the, the, the property experience director to do my job for me? Right. So I think there's just a lot of like, we, we don't need these silos. We need everybody to be uh, working in tandem, which I think Corey, I think you, you're, you're, touching on a really good point. It's just like, let's, let's say incentivize everybody to be a part of this sales culture, whether it's commission or like you said, got longevity. 
Yeah, because it's it's true. I mean, you know, a nurse is providing excellent care to keep that resident there, right? So, you know, it's not, you can't really commission per se, but because of, yeah, that amazing care and that relationship, that resident is paying their, you know, their monthly rent. So there's, I'm all about being creative and, and yeah, incentivizing folks. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's some, uh, there's some good ideas out there. I'm curious, oh, you mentioned a, a model that is out there in Florida. You said they kind of build them out in the middle of nowhere and they're just like these houses, but they, there's a community aspect to it. And there's all these activities from, you know, morning till night. And I'm curious, is, is your company interested in anything like that? Are you thinking that since you're seeing it be so successful, why not go that route and go, Hey, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start building these houses in these rural areas and, and do this and, and copy that or, you know, why, why go the route of acquisitions instead of building these new type of properties? Yeah. So the villages is, yeah, the, this, it's almost this mini town, but um, <laughs> it was in the middle of nowhere, kind of Florida. And it just blew up of this 55 plus active adult community. Um, and they're just, you know, they're sold before they even build these, these little houses and duplexes. Now um, people, you know, are just moving in like crazy and they continue to do it. Um, so I kind of, I want to take some of those aspects, um, because people, like I said, they're moving in, uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, Florida. So it's not like, you know, the real estate is <laughs> that great. Um, but they're moving in because of this activity schedule, because of the socialization factor. So I want to take that same concept and apply it to, yes, we have the real estate, but you're coming in for this upgraded lifestyle. Uh, you're coming in <clears throat> for all these intangibles that you can't get at home. Um, and then the acquisition strategy is just because it can make more of an immediate impact right now. Uh, developing takes, you know, two to three years to, to build a project where, um, you know, acquisitions we can make, um, you know, immediate uh, impact. And just because of the amount of, um, you know, the discounted acquisitions that we can get right now, um, I just, uh, that's, that's why we're focused on the acquisitions. Um, but we definitely want to take that, um, you know, that activity, that lifestyle mindset and bring it in to the senior living side. Yeah. So I know we're running up against our time and I want to be respectful of, of you. Um, and I, I like to ask some of my guests, uh, this question. So it's a, it's a start, stop and continue. I love this question. I, I, I geek out about it every single time, but a start, stop and continue means what should we as an industry start doing? What as we as an industry, what should we stop doing? And what should we continue? So what's your thoughts on that? Start, stop, and continue. Oh, good one. <laughs> Man, I mean, I'm, I'm, putting, you. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I know we were starting it, but I really want to focus on this lifestyle and this engagement on this, you know, really focus. It's we have the healthcare aspect, but I really want to focus on this upgraded lifestyle because I think that's really the future of senior living, especially if we're going to compete with home healthcare, providing something a resident can't get at home. And that's really that social uh, factor, that that lifestyle factor. And I just I hate seeing activities budgets getting cut, right? When I think that's really should be more of our our focus going forward. And once you have those happy, engaged residents, then they're spreading that word and it's helping our whole industry. Uh, what do I see continue? Um, I want to continue uh, trying to find more affordable 
aspects for senior living. I know we continue, we've, we've talked about this and, you know, there's, there's certain Medicaid programs and we're certain models that we've been trying to do. And we kind of lost a little bit of focus with COVID. Um, but I want to continue to try to find what's a good affordable option. Um, because it is still just so many residents can't afford senior living. Um, you know, so having really, uh, some kind of model that's more affordable for, for more folks, uh, so we can, uh, uh, care for more folks in, in the industry. So you got start focus on upgraded <laughs> lifestyle, socialization, stop cutting activities, budgets, but I'm sure there's a lot of activities directors out there like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> continue finding more affordable living aspects for our seniors, which I think is, uh, is an amazing thing that we do need to continue to do finding more affordable places for our seniors to live. Scott, tell, tell everybody where they can find you. Well, first, I just want to thank you guys. Yeah, Mike, Corey, you guys are amazing. I appreciate your passion and what you're doing for our industry. Um, you know, it's all about improving and, and, and providing this innovation. So I appreciate you guys and all that you're doing. And I appreciate you inviting me on your show. Um, yeah, so if you want to find more about me, um, I love connecting with people. Uh, Scott McCorvey on LinkedIn. Uh, shoot me a message there. Um, my email is scott, S-C-O-T-T, at vita, V-I-T-A, seniorliving.com, or the website is uh, vitaseniorliving.com. Got some more information on the website on the platform, our culture, mission, uh, investment strategy, um, and uh, some more kind of, um, you know, connections there. Um, but uh, yeah, I love connecting with you. So reach out, even if you just want to say hi. Um, I love connecting with you. If you heard me on the podcast, just shoot me an email too. Um, and uh, I love uh, connecting with folks, especially passionate folks in the industry and seeing how we can uh, help each other out. Any conferences that you'll be attending this year? Yeah, I'll be up this uh, spring, Nick, here coming up. So um, if you're going to be in Dallas at uh, NIC, uh, be sure to say hi. And Cool. Well, thank you so much, Scott. It's an absolute pleasure. We'll put your podcast, The Inner Circle of Senior Living, in the show notes. If you guys don't already follow it, absolutely give it a, a, a follow, thumbs up, and, and give it a five-star rating. And uh, again, Scott, thank you so much. You've listened to another episode of the 100 Club Podcast. Until next time, 